Hello, and welcome to Yuki Life Abroad. My name is Nathan, and I'm joined by Olaxa and Andre as we discuss the impact that COVID-19 and other factors had on the quality of democracy in 2020. This and more on Zarkardoni Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. So before we begin, I would like to make a correction uh, to something I said in the previous episode. Uh, Last week's episode, I mentioned that Welsh language has been on the decline. And that was slightly out of context, and I'd like to make a correction on that. So from 2018 to 2019, there was a decline in uh, the number of Welsh uh, Welsh language speakers. However, since the population, the annual population survey in 2010, there was there's actually been a increase uh, between 2010 and 2018. So overall, the number of Welsh speakers has um, increased, but just over the last year, uh, the numbers have actually declined. So I think everyone can agree that 2020 wasn't the best year. But it wasn't just a bad year because of COVID. In February 2021, The Economist published an article revealing that the Democracy Index reported its lowest score in regards to global democracy since the index's inception in 2006. So the Democracy Index surveys 167 countries based on five measures – electoral process, pluralism, the functioning of government, political participation, and democratic political culture and civil liberties. So for 2020, the collective score for all the countries was 5.3 out of 10. So we passed. Yeah, just. (laughs) But it's not one of those passes that you go home and like, mum, I put this on the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the Democracy Index actually works off a map as well. And it's based on different colors, and it's broken into three, uh, sorry, four different uh, sections. So it lists authoritarian regimes, hybrid regimes, flawed democracies, and full democracies. And then within each of these categories, for example, full democracies would have a dark blue color indicating a better full democracy, and then a lighter blue color uh, indicating a full democracy, but one on the lower end of the spectrum. So... What do you guys think are the highest countries? So usually for these kind of lists, I always, my default is like the Scandinavian countries of like Norway, Sweden, Finland, because they're usually top of the world on most of these categories. Okay, cool. So I listed five. I put Andre, sc- what do you reckon? I put Scandinavia as basically once, but you're right about that. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say the same thing, but then um, I'd say Canada and Australia would be another one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm not too sure about the last one. Who? who okay, so the five, the five top ones: Scandinavia. I put as uh, Norway, Denmark, and Finland. They're all one. So under your right, Canada. There's New Zealand, Ireland, and Iceland. Ah, uh, okay. So Australia is considered a full democracy, but it is on the lower end of the spectrum of full democracy, not the higher end of the spectrum of full democracy, which is a shame, I guess. But we have beaten America because America is on is in the category of flawed democracies, but it's on the higher end of that spectrum. I'm assuming the flawed democracy on America's part is a very recent addition. I, I would... 
Possibly, but it might also be all the moneyed interests as well. I thought it'd just be like all the, how do I say it? Like Western the, countries? No, not that, but like in terms of America, how it's lower on the scale is because it's got all these random rules that make it uh, hard to vote. Yeah, it like makes it hard to vote or it's like complicated to use. And that's why like most other countries haven't implemented those that same democracy style. Really. Yeah, like they do a lot of like voter suppression or purge people from the rolls and stuff like that. Yeah, or like even just the gerrymandering. Yes, yeah, right, that's, that's a good a one. big one there. Like, yeah, who else gerrymanders in okay. the West? So, what are the what do you reckon the lowest countries would be then? In terms of, polit- uh, I'm assuming North Korea is not on this list, or is it? <laughs> no, North Korea is on the list. Yes. <laughs> so that's them. What Saudi Arabia, Venezuela? It's all countries. The only black spot there is Greenland because Denmark. Yep. <laughs> uh, what about China? Yeah, but China. That, that, it's like a fifty-fifty. But China's not a real democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and Russia, I'd say that as well. Okay, so the worst thing about this is there were a lot more countries in the lower, so the worst of the authoritarian regimes than there were countries that are full democracy. So I listed eight down. And obviously the worst one was, yes, North Korea. Then it's the Congo. No surprise there. So the Congo. Wait, the Democratic Congo or the other Congo? (laughs) Just the Congo, not the Democratic one. Okay. Yeah. Central African Republic, Syria... Chad, Turkmenistan, and then Laos. You're saying that Turkmenistan, which builds gold statues of its president, isn't a full democracy? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, but uh, China's actually, it's considered an authoritarian regime, but in authoritarian regimes, they have red, orange, and then like a brighter orange. It's considered in the middle section. Uh, Really? Yeah, Russia is on the lighter side. So Russia is like the high end of authoritarian regimes. Because they have fake opposition parties. (laughs) Yeah. China, Um, everyone's just one party. It's just the Communist Party. I'm sure everyone's wondering about Ukraine. Ukraine is considered a hybrid regime and it is on the upper end of hybrid regimes. So almost, almost into the section of a flawed democracy. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yay. Whoopee. Um, so what's interesting is the reasons that they cited for this and specifically focusing on 2020. So what they said was that uh, government imposed lockdowns and other pandemic control measures led to a huge rollback of civil li- civil liberties in 2020, causing downgrades across the majority of countries. Confronted by a new deadly disease to which humans had no natural immunity, most people concluded that preventing a catastrophic loss of life justified some temporary loss of freedoms. The ranking penalised countries that withdrew civil liberties, failed to allow proper scrutiny of emergency powers or denied freedom of expression, regardless of whether there was public support for government measures. In France, for example, severe lockdowns and national curfews led to a small but significant decrease in its overall score, and the country dropped to the flawed democracy category. So I'm assuming a lot of countries that we would assume to be democracies have fallen on this index due to the harsh lockdowns. I'm assuming the UK would have fallen a lot as well. Yeah, the UK is now considered a lower end of a full democracy. So we're lucky in Australia here that we didn't have lockdowns, except in Victoria. Well, we had a mild one here in New South Wales. But it wasn't like those like full yeah, lockdowns compared like, to like Europe and um I'm pretty America. sure at the end of the month, the UK is going to decide if you can walk inside a pub. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so but, at the moment, I think in the UK, you can only gather outside. Yeah, I'm pretty and sure. And I'm like, that's pretty crazy. But see, the part I thought was a flaw in this was when they said that um, 
This was regardless of whether there was public support for government measures. So they've considered like a lockdown in France, even, even if the majority of the public were for it, it was still considered a negative thing. I was actually going to ask you that earlier. And sure, it makes sense that they're being limited in their freedom. So their uh, democracy, in a sense, would fall. But then it's not taking into the context of the reasons why it's been implemented. I think the reason why they're discounting popular support for it is is that whilst it might be popular now, if this was to go on for more than a year, I think a lot of people would get quite angry about it. True. And even popular support, I don't think is a good um, indicator of like true freedom because I'm sure popular support's really high in North Korea and that's the worst country on the list. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but this decline in democracy isn't just a 2020 issue. It's an issue that's been recorded for the last decade or even longer. And like, for example, according to Freedom House, which is another organization that monitors world freedom, the decline in democracy has been ongoing since 2006, which is when the amount of countries that declined in freedom um, outnumbered countries that improved in freedom. And 2020 has been the worst year with 45 countries declining in freedom compared to the amount of countries that increased. And this decline has been exacerbated by various crises around the world. So you have, for example, the protests in Belarus. You have um, the government in India, for example, cracking down on critics. You have Hong Kong with China, you know, cracking down on dissent. And for example, this week they sent one of the um, umbrella movement's leaders to prison because he tried to organize a Tiananmen vigil. You've got Venezuela. So there's problems everywhere, like the civil war in Ethiopia. Okay. Um, but what's interesting is, so whilst the amount of countries that are not free or like authoritarian are increasing and the amount of countries that are free are decreasing, the amount of countries that are considered partially free has stayed relatively constant. Huh. So does that mean they're... So it means that the amount of countries, I think, dropping from free is equaling to the amount that is dropping from partly free to not free. Oh, okay, I got you. So it's not like... Oh, no, yeah, no, no. I, was... I don't think you'd have many countries that would slide from being completely free to not oh. free yeah, 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 very yeah. quickly. Um, was... Though Freedom House does, you know, um, they do point out some shining examples. So, for example, in Mali, they recently had a presidential election where there was... It was originally considered a free election. However, later analysis showed that the results were forged and the constitutional court of that country overturned the results. And it's only the second time in modern African history that the courts have overturned a political decision, which is, you know, a good sign. Yeah. You know, whilst some things are not going well in other countries, um, other countries are progressing in democracy. And I'll say that's uh, that's good, especially considering there were so many African countries on the um, the uh, democracy indexes, like the bottom of the list that were in Africa. We now have a shiny example from Africa, so I think that's something to look look forward to. Yeah. So, Andre, how does Ukraine compare to the rest of the world? So currently, it sits at sixty out of a hundred um, in twenty twenty one, where uh, twenty six out of forty percent. Uh, where 26 out of 40 was for political rights and 34 out of 60 was for civil liberties. 
So would that be like a C plus B minus kind of mark? Yeah. So this puts it in the partially free um, category. Above it is uh, completely free, and then obviously below it is uh, not free at all. I'd say C plus, Alexa. C plus. It's all right. Yeah. So it's it's done well on average. So. Um, so how do we compare, say, to last year? Has Ukraine gone up or down? We've actually gone down by two points. But if you look uh, further back in the years to 2017, it's actually stayed relatively the same. It's hovering between 60 and 62 each year. So we've probably gone up and down in places, but overall we're still partially free. So I'm assuming probably the reason we've gone down this year is um, probably Zelensky's fight with the Constitutional Court and the fact that corruption has increased significantly under his watch. Yeah, so like you mentioned, it's the whole Constitutional Court that's kind of brought this um, back down to 60, and him trying to dissolve it didn't really help that much either. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think their retaliation helped either. So Yeah, so... Yeah. Overall, that whole year kind of um, brought down the scale. But comparing, uh, but in 2020, there was actually a lot of uh, positives that brought it up again. So it was a whole, um, there was a new government waiting, uh, waiting to implement new reforms after some stag- stagnation from Poroshenko's era. There was also um, the passing on of free elections from Poroshenko to Zelensky. So that obviously put it in a higher uh, category. Well, I think, yeah, Ukraine reverted back to its tradition of having open and fair elections after Yanukovych, you know, tried to create a controlled democracy in Ukraine. Yeah, and looking into this report, the election for the president actually got four out of four, which is actually, to me, quite surprising. I thought it'd be lower. But um, comparing it to the, the government elections later that year it was only three out of four so that's more of the whole reason between voter buying and and the way they vote in terms of open lists and stuff like that rather than what we have in australia or in america and stuff i'm pretty sure and and correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure the u.s got three out of four for its election and if ukraine has gotten four out of four well that means ukraine's election was well, that was the presidential election. It said it was all free and there wasn't any... Um, oh, yeah. Well, Poroshenko, I think, you know, he was elected as a, you know, a Democrat to reform the country. I think if he'd interfered with the election, I think, you know, he's a bigger man and was thinking about his legacy. Yeah. Um, and then Ukraine's always had terrible... Well, not terrible, has always struggled with its parliamentary elections because they continue to alter how they vote to elect them in. So um, we'll see if their new law, which will be used for the next set of parliamentary elections, if they'll finally settle on a single proportional list instead of the current mixed single-member districts and proportional lists. And if our listeners are interested, we can probably do an episode explaining how Ukraine votes. So whilst Ukraine has you know, hovered around in the 60s for its freedom index, um, Ukraine's freedom of the internet has actually seen a significant increase from the mid-50s to 61 as of this year. And this is partly because of Zelensky and the two governments that have served under him so far have actually relaxed the ease of setting up internet companies in Ukraine. And so whilst there is a 
consolidated phone market in Ukraine, the actual broadband market is quite liberal with various local, regional and national companies all competing for business. And in the Freedom House report, whilst they do um, highlight Ukraine blocking certain websites and certain social media um, companies, particularly Vkontakte and Odnoklasnike from Russia due to Russian propaganda on them, they rate Ukraine's overall access to the internet as improving, particularly in rural areas, which have seen a rapid increase in their access to the internet. That's good. Going more modernized, I guess. Yeah, though they do criticize the lack of 4G and 3G infrastructure in some places. And I know, like, I found that quite annoying when I lived in Ukraine. Like, I was living in Kyiv and, like, they were advertising how cool they were at having 4G. And I was just like, guys. Calm yeah. down. But then, like, I'd go visit Baba and it'd be, like, struggling to maintain 3G. <laughs> I know. And, like... And I'm like, come on, guys. And we're here and we, like, complain about, oh, it only goes to the node. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, to be fair, that is annoying in our context. But, three. So, looking at Ukraine and uh, moving from its uh, internet freedom and... Um, and just general freedom, we can now look onto its democracy and how democratic it really is. So Ukraine is ranked 39 out of 100, and that puts it in the transitional or hybrid regime. I love how 39 gets you as transitional. Like, how low does the scale go for transitional? I would have thought, like, I don't know, my feeling would have been, like, 50, but I know they don't base it on, like, I know it's out of 100, but, you know, you've got the two categories and whatnot, so... So looking at the different statuses, we have consolidated authoritarianism, we have transitional hybrid regimes, we have semi-consolidated demo- uh, democracy, and consolidated democracy. So you put, looking at Ukraine, it puts us roughly in the middle. And when looking at how they rank, um, how democratic your country is, it takes into the national democratic governance, so how effective and independent your legislative and executive branches run, the electoral process. So I'm assuming President Zelensky's turbo mode on adopting legislation in the first half of 2019 and 2020 kind of wrecked it, Um, since there wasn't a real scanning of the legislation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, comparing it to 2020, that's actually boosted uh, Zelensky in terms of um, him being elected democratically, but the thing that brought it, uh, brought it down was the judicial and independence ranking that brought it down. So the court rulings, suspending the um, any reformed laws they recently introduced, and obviously the constitutional court and corruption. Yeah, um, President Poroshenko, uh, former President Petro Poroshenko, did a press conference today after he met with Secretary Blinken. And he said part of the discussions revolved around the fact that um, when Poroshenko left the presidency, he thought a lot of the democratic reforms would have been consolidated after five years. And he Mm. said that he was a bit surprised that some of the reforms have been rolled back so easily, particularly like the corruption reforms. Yeah. Um, Some of the other topics that are considered in determining how democratic the country is also your civil society independent media local democratic governments judicial framework and independence and corruption 
it's always corruption in there. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing like Donbass and Crimea contributed to Ukraine's one? So Freedom House actually has created separate categories for the occupied territories in eastern Donbass and occupied Crimea. So have a guess out of 100, what is the freedom score in Donbass and Crimea? I want to say less than 10. <laughs> I was going to say that. So you're both correct. Like, Give me a specific number. So let's start with Crimea, since that's been occupied slightly longer. What do we think the freedom score in Crimea is? Out of 100. Seven? I want to say four. Let's go four. Okay, so Crimea has a freedom score of seven out of 100. This guy over here. Uh, So its political rights is minus two out of 40, with civil liberties at nine out of 60. And it has decreased from a score of eight last year. Now, have a guess at Donbass. I want to stick with four. No. I'm going to go with four. All right, Andre, what do we think the freedom of Donbass is? Oh, it's six. So Nathan was right. So Donbass (laughs) has a freedom score of four with political rights being minus one and civil liberties being five. Yeah. Um, And these low scores stem from the fact that it's basically all controlled from Russia and there is no, like ability to implement Ukrainian law there and there is no actual choice in elections, like the results are predetermined. Okay, I get that. So like the laws in Donbass, are they... Because like in Crimea, for example, Russian law is being applied there, right? So So it's somewhat organised. Yeah, so in Donbass, which law applies? So they've got their own laws made by their fake parliament. Oh, so they've like they consider themselves an autonomous. Well, no, they they consider themselves independent, but no one recognises them. So they're just making up their own things. Yeah. So, um, well, considering they only recently, I think, I think it was two days ago, they I think introduced a new law where um, they are now acquiring the assets and properties of people that have uh, moved out of Donbass. So they're claiming it as their own now. So that's... That's pretty authoritarian. Um, Yeah, Mm. and like the main reason why Crimea and Donbass get lots of zeros as their scores is the fact that Ukrainian political parties are banned and the fact that, you know, Russian security services basically use intimidation and harassment tactics to compel the population to do what they want. And for Donbass specifically, they point out that the political leaders are most likely very unpopular. However, they have enough loyalty to Moscow for them to be tolerated by Russia. So it's basically no representative government as we know it. Yeah. So they do say like the 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 areas that they get their points in come in the fact that they can choose who they marry. Whoopee. <laughs> And do they, and that they are not, they have freedom of, from economic exploitation. However, it's like one out of four. So it's like, you're not a slave. You can choose where you work, but you're going to be paid ridiculously low wages. Jesus. And you can choose who you marry. So that's always a nice thing to have. That's such a random one. I mean, there's so many other violations. No, you know why though? Because that probably comes from the fact that like you have countries of like, Saudi Arabia, where you oh, okay. arranged marriages, or like honor killings in Pakistan. Um, and then Crimea you gets a point for being able to join a trade union. I huh. wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it's one out of four, but it's there. 
Okay, so there is one last uh, survey that was done, and this was done this year, and it was it's called the Democracy Perception Index. And basically, it was a poll that was commissioned by the Alliance of Democracies, and it's an organization that basically you know goes around and promotes democracy and all these other important uh, concepts around the world. So there's a few interesting categories they had here. Um, and I'll read you guys the question and uh, I'll get you to pick which countries you think are the highest and which countries you think are the lowest. So the first one is, in your opinion, how important is it for your country to be a democracy? And then the second question they would ask is, think about your country today, how democratic do you think it is? So they were ranking how important that country, the, the people think a democracy is versus how um how democratic they think it is and that deficit was what they were considering how basically accurate the democracy is in their country versus what the people think so alexa who do you think the number one country is well i was going to say probably in a context of ukraine i feel they'd rate the importance of democracy as quite high considering we had yavromaidan and the orange revolution Mm -hmm. however knowing ukrainians that they're never happy with what they have i feel like their perception of democracy will be quite low in Ukraine. So you are right. They are one, two, three, four, five, six. They're seventh from the bottom with a 53% deficit compared to what they want, what uh, how important democracy is versus what the democracy they have. Uh, uh, Andre, who do you think the last on the list is, the one with the largest deficit? Um, is it someone in the Middle East? It is not. Uh, okay. Then South America. It's close to Ukraine. Belarus. Sorry. Poland. Uh-huh. 55% in Poland. And the country that is that is the smallest deficit is actually Switzerland. So they're both of those they they sorry, they view their um, democracy up above like 80%, uh, but the country, how democratic they is, is roughly around 75%. So still pretty good for I them. I feel that comes with the fact that they have local referendums like every six months. Yeah, probably. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. The next one is threats to democracy. So the first part of this is, okay, freedom of speech. Democracy in my country is threatened by limitations on freedom of speech. So which ones, which country do you think says that And if you limit freedom of speech, you're going to hurt democracy? Um, is it the US? It is not the US. They're in the middle, actually, on this one. Alexa, oh, really? would, have, would have thought, like, you know, First Amendment. Like, they would have been, like, right up there. Um, I would feel then probably, what, like, Canada, Australia, or the UK. So the one that believes limitations on freedom of speech are detrimental to democracy is actually Nigeria. and oh, the ones And the ones who are least concerned is actually Denmark. Oh, so okay. apparently in Denmark you can limit speech and they're like, eh, doesn't Maybe they're, they're just that confident in their system. I think it's actually more than that, yeah. They probably, they probably understand that there's limits to speech and that... There's like that sort of unwritten rule of what, like, what you can and can't do in a sense of how to govern free speech. Yeah, true. Where does Ukraine fall on that category? Uh, Ukraine falls in that one. Uh, Third from, so there goes Nigeria, Poland, Venezuela, then Ukraine. Oh, so Ukraine values freedom of speech quite highly. Yes, they do. It's good. I think that's probably considered since uh, Euromaidan and how those, those violations came across. Okay, next one. 
Uh, democracy in my country is threatened by the influence of big tech companies such as Google, Amazon, Apple, or Facebook. So which country do you think views tech companies as the biggest threat? It's definitely not Ukraine. I think Ukraine has the biggest threat. It is not Ukraine. Ukraine is third from the bottom. They don't... That's only because, like, the majority of Ukrainians get their news from TV. Yeah. So, in a sense, social media hasn't dominated that. They're just dominated by oligarchs on TV. Um, My guess would be the US would be terrified of social media. US is third. Second is India. Number one, most concerned, the Philippines. So, I thought that was interesting. And the one who is least concerned is Venezuela. Probably Um, because they've got bigger problems. Yes. (laughs) So, do uh, overall, do you think that social media platforms such as Facebook and Twitter, Twitter have a positive or negative impact on democracy in your country? Who do you think believes it has the most positive effect? I'm not too sure. It's Nigeria again. <laughs> okay. And then the one who thinks it has the most detrimental effect is... US. The US. Hey, finally yeah. got it. So, it's probably yeah. why Congress wants to regulate all the companies yeah. now. All right, I have... Go Nigeria, though. Yeah, I know. That, that one kind of was quite interesting given how much they like the, they're worried about freedom of speech but also they're worried about social media and big tech companies i thought that was pretty interesting all right i got a few more in general do you think there should be more or less regulation on content that people share on social media platforms so which country do you think says the most regular or more regulation uh, what, the U.S., considering they have the biggest problem with big companies? The U.S. is actually, uh, well, Ukraine is fifth from the bottom. And I was going to say, it's not really a big deal in Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, U.S. is actually near the bottom. Really? Uh, okay. Number one is actually Colombia, followed by China. So they want more, well, China makes sense. Yeah. They want to regulate. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Colombia's worried about that. And the one who's least concerned about social media regulation is Egypt. Then Morocco, Saudi Arabia, Algeria, and then Ukraine. So a lot of the European countries fall in the middle? Um, From what I could see, it was more... It's kind of a mix. Like you have France, United Kingdom, who are really concerned about it, Ireland as well. But then you get down the bottom, you have like Ukraine, Russia, Poland, Norway. Okay. See, I'm surprised that Ukraine, because Ukraine regulates social media kind of strictly by the fact that they ban Russian social media companies. But maybe just the population has moved so far away from them that it's not an issue anymore. So I should point out that out of these, out of Egypt, Morocco, um, Saudi Arabia, and Algeria, they're the only ones that are uh, for less regulation. They're 28%. Once you get to Ukraine, they are 5% for more regulation, but it's still so small that that's what puts them down the bottom. Okay. Okay, cool. So probably they feel like the mix is quite good in Ukraine at the moment. Yes. Yeah. All right, I have two more. The The next one is free and fair elections. Democracy in my country is threatened by unfair elections and or election fraud. Who do you think is worried the most about election fraud? Uh, what, Ukraine? Ukraine should be pretty high. This one's actually appeared before. The US? Nigeria. Oh, okay. So it goes, the highest threat is Nigeria, Kenya, Ukraine as the third, Hungary, and then Romania. So these are the countries that are most worried about democracy, uh, unfair elections threatening democracy. Mm. I understand Ukraine. I'm not really sure about Romania. Who are they scared <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. And Romania appeared on another one really high as well. So that was kind of worrying. And then the lowest threat, this one's appeared as well. 
it's a European country. Denmark. It is Denmark. Okay. So in that one, it goes Denmark, Norway, Germany, Sweden, and Austria. So all those European countries aren't worried about their elections. Okay. And then the last one, and I thought this was the most important one, superpower influence. Democracy in my country is threatened by the influence of, and they had a choice, and they had to rank them, the US, Russia, and China. So out of this... Who do you think is the least the the country out of the US, China, and Russia that the these fifty whatever fifty three countries that they surveyed? Who do you think they think is the least worrisome? I feel it'd be a mix. So, like from Australia's perspective, I feel that we would rank China as our biggest threat to our democracy. For Ukraine, it would be Russia. Yeah, and then you'd have like countries in like that don't like America ranking America as their greatest fear. Threat. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's pretty true. So Ukrainers had um, America a little lower than they had Russia. Russia was the biggest threat, but they had China all the way down the bottom at like less than 25%. Because it's like, what's the relationship? <laughs> pretty much. But altogether, 28% said Russia, 38% said China, and 45% of people in all these countries that they collected said that the US was the biggest threat to democracy in their country. I thought that was insane. Like, that's amazing considering that the US is meant to be the country that pushes for democracy. Yeah, uh, but I think it's the main issue for these countries is um, where the US has in- interfered or like sent troops to. So I think that's the, well, what they're most worried about. Well, um, you look at um, more democratic or uh, the West and they're not too worried about the US because they're on our side. But then they start looking more towards Russia and China. I think partly, yeah, like I think you're right there in the day. Like the US has given itself sort of a bad image in how much it is involved in global affairs. And like like you, I was surprised by how many countries view America in such a negative light. So I think the Biden administration will have to do a lot to fix that. I feel part of it might be that Trump just tarnished America's image so much. And a lot of countries realize that they can't rely on America, they kind of have to rely on themselves, which I think was a wake-up call for the EU because they were just so used to coasting on America's tailcoats. Yeah, I remember when they're like Kim Jong Un was testing missiles and stuff, um, like so close to Japan, and Donald Trump was just like tweeting at him. And if that's the guy you're trying to rely on, and Japan and South Korea need to rely on a president like that, then to them that president is causing more of a threat to their democracy than more of a security to their democracy. So I guess we'll have to just see what um, Joe Biden does in this regard. But all up, I'm, I don't know if it's just because of COVID, but I know that the economist said it was, but I'm really hoping we start to see an upward trend in democracy. Otherwise, you know, these next few years probably aren't going to be the best. Well, I think, it, yeah, it all depends on how assertive like the core democratic countries are so like you know australia needs to fight for democracy in the asia pacific with new zealand europe needs to stand up for like eastern european countries so they don't become under the sway of russia and then like the west and america need to like stand up for democracy globally in general and i'm going to add to that even on the economic side with like big tech companies and that's why i think things like the Magnitsky Act are really important so you can sanction individuals not just for um, 
crimes, but also human rights abuses, which is now what a lot of countries are pushing for. Yeah. Hmm. This week in the news, Ukraine's Prosecutor General has written up treason charges against Ukrainian MP and Putin crony Viktor Medvedchuk, as well as his ally Taras Kozak. They are accused of the attempted plunder of national resources in Crimea. The Espoo raided Medvedchuk's offices in Kyiv and as of the 11th of May are still attempting to locate him. The World Bank has approved a $200 million loan to modernize tertiary education in Ukraine. The project, which will be implemented over the next five years, will aim to tackle Ukraine's lack of funding in tertiary education and also hopes to encourage universities to merge and create more efficient higher education systems. Data from the World Bank indicates that 60% of Ukrainian students complain about the lack of resources, outdated teaching methods, and decaying research facilities. As a result, the number of Ukrainian students has declined significantly between 2008 and 2018. Ukrainian servicemen have shot down a Russian drone in Donbass. 2021 has seen the occupational forces increase their use of drones in the region, and since the start of May, the Ukrainian army has shot down two such aircrafts. Let us know which stories you would like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week for more Yuki Life Abroad content.